Welcome to the Life's Valleys and Mountaintops podcast. I am your host, Gina Johnson, a certified life coach. You will find stories here from people around the world sharing some of their most difficult journeys through illnesses, accidents, and trauma. Join me on my mission to create a community where people overcoming belong. We inspire and help one another to rise above our difficulties until we make it to our mountaintop. Let's meet our guest today. Carol Graham is the host of the podcast, Never Ever Give Up Hope. Through multiple devastating experiences, some that she will be sharing today, she is resilient and strong. Carol is the author, a health coach, inspirational speaker, business owner, amongst many other things. In 2018, she received the Global Award for One Woman Fearless, which is given to women who have let go of their fears to create the life of their dreams. My hope for anyone who's listening today is that if you're feeling weary, you will be inspired and take just one thing from this interview to help you move closer to creating the life of your dreams. Let's meet our guest. Carol, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. What a pleasure to be here. So happy to have connected with you today. And now that I've given everyone just a little glimpse of your life, could you tell us a little bit more about what your life looks like today? What my life looks like today, we have, excuse me, my husband and I have two jewelry stores, so that's our brick and mortar businesses. We have a couple online businesses. I am a talk show host, as you uh, mentioned. My name of my show is Never Ever Give Up Hope. I am a health coach and have been one for 40 years. This is, of all the things I do, probably my greatest passion because When I cured my own cancer 40 years ago, I became a health coach so that I could help others, especially women who are infertile. I'm an international speaker. I travel all over. This is mostly in the area of inspiration and motivation. I'm an author. I'm working on my second book right now. And I'm a grandma, and I get to see my grandkids this weekend, so I'm really excited. (laughs) Oh, yay. (laughs) You know, they say we all have the same 24 hours in a day, but I just have to ask, do you sleep in any of those 24 hours? I don't like sleep. I think it's a waste of time, but yes, I do. And when I sleep, I hit the pillow, and I wake up, and I'm I'm done. (laughs) So whatever long, whatever period that happens to be, that... (laughs) I like being busy, and I think it keeps you young. Excellent. Okay, well, this is the part in the podcast where you get to start sharing your journey. I understand that your story is just so deep, and there's so much to it. It might be hard to find a point to focus, but if you can, do the best that you can to do that. Please take us to the moment in time that you consider your worst moment of your journey. Tell us the story, and we will walk along with you to today. Wow, that's quite a challenge, like you said. I think that I will try to take 40 years and put him into 10 minutes. How does that sound? That sounds great. (laughs) The reason I say 40 years is because there were low times during those years that constantly overlapped one another and I think this is very possibly 
true with many of the people who may be listening or you have come in contact with who seem to have just bad things happen one after another on top of one another and there are people that I counsel and that I coach and like I said I'm sure that you have as well who they don't know how they can put one foot in front of the other and keep going because Mm -hmm. there's so many things that hit them from all angles and that's the way my life was basically for those 40 years hence I'm writing the second book because you can only put 20 years in a book I was told (laughs) is that true and you know I have to tell you I actually did just talk to someone last night that I will send this to that was saying that they're looking back over the last 30 40 years of their life and wanted to know why they had such bad luck and so many horrible things happened and now they're trying to get past all of them interesting timing yes it is and you know it is possible I think that a lot of it has to do with attitude and I thought about what you had asked on the questionnaire and trying to come up with a key and I believe that the key is I never played the blame game I mean, this this is crucial because everybody has things happen to them. We all have bad things happen to us, but do we blame ourselves? We shouldn't. Do we blame um, someone else? We shouldn't. Things happen. Yeah. Life happens. And by not playing the blame game, and I never did from day one, I don't know if it has to do with the way I was raised or what, but it's a choice, and I chose not to place the blame game and or not to play the blame game and by not by doing that I think we also take a lot of responsibility which is part and parcel to our attitude and that's when we can change things now many things are out of our control when I was raped and left for dead on the street that was not something that I you know could have uh, that certainly was not my fault and I could have avoided when our um, two different times our partners literally destroyed our businesses by stealing from us and left us penniless when our home was completely vandalized burnt to the ground and there was nothing left but the clothes on our back these are circumstances that are out of our control and it would be easy to blame God. I think this is one of the first places that people go. I'm guilty. Okay. And or blaming someone else or, you know, finding, finding things happen. And mm-hmm. it's how we pick up our bootstraps and we, we choose to go forward. I think the, the lowest time was during the midst of all this. We, one of those partners that um, stole our business from us. Um, it's too long of a story to share here and I share a lot of details in my book which is 12 chapters and has 12 traumas and wow. so they they overlap one another and it's in some of the chapters there's more than one but it, it has the flow of a novel so it's an intriguing story I tell a lot of people don't start reading it at 10 o'clock at night <laughs> You will be reading it all night, you know, and that that's what you want to grab to grab your audience and essentially when people can relate. And there are a lot of people out there who have problems, you know, that that we can all relate to and that need to hear how we made it through. In this one particular instance, when my husband was um, 
accused of something he did not do. This this was in the area of fraud. He ended up in, in prison. I had cancer at the time, no source of income. The only person that was the witness to the, tra the business transaction that went sour committed suicide. And that's how we ended up in prison. And you, you think, you know, what's the first thing we do? Why did this happen? Yeah. And we, we began to blame, like I said, that play the blame game. I didn't know why it happened, but I knew that I couldn't stay there and that I had to find a way to get, and it had to be my attitude. And I became thankful and grateful for what I could find. And we hear this all the time, to be grateful for what we have, you know, to find things we can be thankful for in the, in the littlest areas of our lives and the biggest areas, whatever. And, and we, um, it, it makes a difference. It really does because it changes our attitude. It's interesting that you share you've always been in that mindset because it took me about seven years of reading personal growth books and going through counseling and receiving mentoring to get to where I was able to start consciously doing that. Can you think of if that skill was just something you always had or how possibly you were able to actually be in that mindset at that time? I think what happened is as a young child, my um, my mother was sick my entire life. She died when I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. And I watched her suffer. I mean, that was my childhood. Never being able to include her in anything that I did because most of the time she was sick in bed. And it, it made me grow up very quickly. And it made me spend a lot of time with my dad because my dad was a minister. Mm -hmm. and, and he didn't have a wife because she was sick. He didn't have a wife to take him when he visited people. So he took me rather than, you know, back in the days, well, even now too, where you, you don't want to go alone when you're counseling or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, the things that can, can be said or whatever. So I, I listen to a lot of people and share their, their stories, their problems with him. And it gave me an empathetic attitude, a sympathetic attitude, and it made me realize how fortunate I am. And even though my mommy was dying and it was very, very difficult for me, but I began to learn how to be grateful when I've heard other people and what they are going through and the problems that they have and the things that they can't control. And so I think that that's, it was developed, but it was as a result of what I observed as a child. That is really powerful because one of the things they say is if you're down and don't know what to do, just go find someone to help. And Absolutely. Totally sounds like you had that experience from a really young age. And there are, you know, there are times when people come to me and, for counsel and it's a poor me attitude. And I'll say, so you, ha you threw yourself a pity party. How many people showed up? Mm-hmm. You know, people don't want to hear. Yes, they, they listen and they encourage. But when we have the attitude of we're always feeling sorry for ourselves, that's what shows. When we have the attitude that in spite of what I'm going through, I'm going to make it. I'm going to succeed. I'm going to overcome. You want to get on that person's bandwagon. You want to be right alongside them, encouraging them and seeing how they are actually going to get through this. And so it works both ways. Now, is there a balance to this? Do you encourage people to 
allow themselves to cry or feel bad for themselves for like five minutes before they do that? Or do you have any sort of ritual around that? I think we should cry every day. <laughs> we go, I'm going through something right now that I think, you know, and I actually, even before this session, I just took a moment and I cried. Yeah. Because there's a cleansing to that. It's not pity. It's like, this is reality. This is what is happening. I'm not going to stay here, but it hurts. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think it makes us more real. And it also, as I mentioned, gives us that empathy towards others. Thanks for mentioning that. Because I've had people that listen to these interviews and they think, yeah, well, that person just like never felt bad or never cried. And and sometimes we skip through that part that even though you don't feel sorry for yourself, you still feel and it's still difficult. My husband has a, a saying that he's used for many years, and I believe this is true, and that is, faith does not deny reality. Now, as a Christian woman, I, I put my faith in God, but whatever we choose to put our faith in, it doesn't deny the reality of what we're going through. Normally, we'd get to a turnaround point, and I'd ask you to take us to a moment where you've had an incredible turnaround point and share the steps with us. But because your story is so multi-dimensional, do you have just one point, or would you say it's more a series of events that happened? Where there was a turnaround? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I can't say there was one point, and I did try to think of that. I think the lowest point was probably, as I mentioned earlier, when my husband was in jail and I was alone and dying. Mm-hmm. And, and how how I turned that around I think circumstances turned it around just not giving up hanging on and doing a lot of praying <laughs> and just try it I think that a lot of people will try to get self-help books and um, you know go to classes or whatever I never did that mm-hmm. it was just believing in that I could and constantly, okay, here, here's, a, here's an example maybe when, what, how I can share that. When I was given the diagnosis as a young woman that I was going to die, and I only had two years to live, um, the doctor said I had two choices, hysterectomy or death. Oh. And I said to him, I don't like those choices. And I said, I'm too young to die. And I can't have a hysterectomy because I know I'm going to have a baby. Mm -hmm. And so he, in his arrogant stance, stood up from behind his desk, leaned over, pointed his finger inches from my face and said, then lady, go home, suffer and die. And it was probably the best thing anyone could have said to me at that point because it made me really, really angry. And I was determined I was not going to die. And I had to find a way to turn that around. And so as I stomped out of his office, I turned, I looked at him and I said, doctor, I will walk in here pregnant one day. Awesome. And I left. Now I was shaking and like, you know, I'm a young woman and <laughs> you're sick <laughs> for one thing. You've just been giving a, you know, a, a death notice and, and you've told the only hope that you thought you had, you, you know, you told the doctor off. So now what? Oh no. But within three weeks, a woman approached me in the, it was actually in the grocery store 
and she said i was a neighbor and she said i don't know you very well but i do know that that you're you're quite ill and i'm having a little nutritional gathering at my home now this is in the 70s okay and she she said i'm having a little nutritional gathering in my home and would you be interested and i'm thinking oh yes sure like i that's a bunch of nonsense you know I'm not the least bit interested but being a a nice neighbor I said sure (laughs) I'll come and to myself I'm saying yeah you'll go but you're not buying anything Mm -hmm. well I went to that meeting and I not only didn't buy anything I bought everything (laughs) everything that they had because for two reasons number one I had a 100% money back guarantee Mm -hmm. that I would turn my life around in my physical Uh, health around in 30 days or I got my money back and the second thing I had was I got the message of hope and this is what my whole life has been based on hope there's always hope unless you're six feet under Mm -hmm. you always have hope in whatever you are either attempting to do or um, whatever situation you happen to find yourself in or whatever negative circumstances your life is in, there's always hope for change. And so within three days after buying all this stuff, I started to feel better. And I wrote her a thank you note and I wrote the words thank you like a hundred times. And I, <laughs> long story short, I had a complete turnaround in my health. Um, I was also at the time completely um, uh, crippled with rheumatoid arthritis. I had ulcers. I I had vision issues, let alone the cancer. So 14 years later, guess who I made an appointment with? Oh, you didn't. I did. I love it. Now, I already knew that I was pregnant because I, I certainly, he wasn't my doctor anymore. But I made an appointment, and he was quite perturbed when he saw my name. Now, I don't know if he remembered or, or what, but when uh, the nurse took the, you know, I, want, I said, I'm just here for a physical, and she took all the tests, you know, and the urine tests back then, and, you know, for a pregnancy. Okay. And I knew what the answer was going to be already. She, <laughs> said, I'll, she said, I'll be right back. Well, she didn't show up. And it's like, I'm watching the clock. I can hardly stand it, you know. And I'm watching the clock 27 minutes before she walked back into that room. But he, she didn't come back in. He did. Oh, okay. And, he, and his words were first words out of his mouth. He didn't even say hello. He said, Carol, I am really sorry to inform you, but you are very pregnant. Oh. And without skipping a beat, I said, Doctor, I realize you're very sorry to inform me. <laughs> and then he said, who's the father? Well, he almost got punched out because my husband had a very low sperm count. and was They said that we would never have children even if I was 100% well. So it was a double whammy for him. <laughs> and... <laughs> Needless to say, yes, I'm a grandma now. <laughs> miracle <laughs> baby. Exactly. And so was my daughter was a miracle baby, and so was her daughter. So it's just, you know, again, it all comes down to attitude. We shouldn't be here, but we didn't give up, and we're here. And as a result, very, very soon, within two years, I took uh, courses in nutrition, became a certified coach, and that 
just opened up a whole new life for me as a result of taking that one trauma and turning it around into something positive and then giving back. That's absolutely beautiful. Will you share with us what happened with your husband? As far as what? Well, last we heard he was in jail. Oh, I think you have to buy the book for that. Ooh. There's so many stories wrapped around that. It's quite intriguing. Um, he's not in jail anymore. <laughs> I figured if you have a daughter that there must be a happy ending to that. I, I encourage everyone to get your book. But he, you know what, even in that low time, and he, he was pardoned because it was proven that it was, you know, it, it was uh, a faulty uh, conviction. Yeah. Even through all that, what he learned during that time and what we learned, and I know they always say, you know, trauma makes you, you stronger and all that. And, mm-hmm. and people that are going through it is like, yeah, right. <laughs> but, it, you know, it is true because it's also what we take from what we went through, what we learned from what we went through and how we're going to use it. And that has been the premise, actually, for my book and my show is to take those circumstances and let someone else be helped as a result and it's amazing it's absolutely amazing because who gets the blessing in the end you do amen to that you know you get you end up being the one that when you help somebody else like you said even at your lowest time and you don't have to go very far to find somebody who's hurting as you mentioned earlier more than you are and what can i say and sometimes it's just as a hug doesn't mean you have to go around and try to encourage people all the time but even when you're going through hell and you see somebody that's hurting you don't even have to say anything you just give them a hug let them know that there's somebody else out there another human being who feels their pain Mm -hmm. and um, they'll connect with you yeah absolutely sometimes that's better than anything that you could say exactly because words sometimes just you know they're empty they feel empty Mm -hmm. yeah Are you ready for us to take a closer look at your life? Oh, I don't know. (laughs) Well, let's let's give it a try. What about you changed the most from your experiences? What about me changed the most from my experiences? I believe patience because when my husband was in a car accident, uh, he received uh, uh, severe brain damage. This was 25 years ago now. And I had to learn how to feed him, how to take care of him. Um, now, I said at the top of the show that we have two high-end jewelry stores. So he's, he's not there anymore. And this all comes down to what I had learned because of what I went through with my cancer in the area of nutrition. And it was nutrition that after seven years being in bed and virtually a vegetable, that his life turned around and we were able to um, open our businesses, etc. And I now I forgot the question. Um, well, I'd say you answered it. I said, uh, what about you changed the okay, most? Okay, so what changed the most was learning patience because I'm a very impatient type A personality and having a husband that could do nothing and trying to raise my two children and all the other problems that we had in our business had just recently been destroyed by our partners and on and on. I had to learn that, take a deep breath, slow down, try to focus on one goal for today, not the whole big picture because I'll never get there. 
and be patient. And that was really difficult for me to learn, but it paid off. Oh, thanks for sharing that. Can you share with us one of your personal habits that you feel contributed to, gosh, I'd usually say overcoming this, but I would say thriving, surviving, getting through just everything that you've had thrown at you through life. I don't know how to answer that. Um, That's okay. I think it's, I think it's attitude. No matter what happens is to just have, try to maintain a good positive attitude through it. So if that's considered a habit, I think it is. Um, I don't sleep much. <laughs> I think sleep's a waste of time, so that gets me through. Oh, I know there's some people that would love to hear that. <laughs> and that's my, that's my choice. It's not because I can't sleep. It's because I'm just, I got so many things. I'm so diversified, and I love it. So personal habit, I think, well, I'm the queen of organization. So there you go. Mm. There, there's your answer. I I used to teach organization classes to executives in in large businesses and corporations. I've written a book on organization. I believe I'm the queen of organization. So that's my habit: making lists, fulfilling those lists. Don't make them so that you can't fulfill them. Because if you make them too big and you want to solve all the world's problems in one day, ain't gonna happen. So be, be conservative and realistic in making your list. And, and then at the end of the day, you know you've accomplished what you set out to do. Love it. And you said that with so much inspiration. I can tell that that hit a good spot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this one might be tricky because you told us that most people turn to personal growth books and seminars and you never did. So do you have a resource that you can share, like a podcast or a book, that helped you through one of these difficulties? Growing up as a minister's kid, um, I would have to say the Bible because, and this is, I'm actually, I teach courses on this as well. And that is that all the answers that we really need are already in the scriptures. And a lot of the books that are written are based, like Napoleon Hill's books, for example, you know, they're based on, on scriptural Yes. Uh, attitude from all, you know, years, generations gone by. Mm -hmm. So the answer is that that's my resource. And I don't read as many books as probably a lot of people do other because of my show as well. I, I read a lot of, um, you know, not self-help books is what I'm saying, but I have to read a lot of books because I read for my guests. Right. But as far as self-help books, I find that a lot of them overlap. I, I just they never appealed to me mm. and um, I prefer to go to the source. Did you read Napoleon Hill? Yes. I really like his books. Many years, you know, way back. We have, we have his original series. Really? Mm. First right. edition. Excellent. Amazing. I didn't know they were based on scripture, but I see a lot of it. In yes. There. Yes. Wow. Well, most of the self-help, you know, like way back, you know, the, the real foundational works were based on scripture because of the kind of principles that they were trying to instill. And um, that's why we need to go back, like I said, to the source, go back to where these where these thoughts and inspirations came from. Love it. Okay, well, unfortunately, we're coming to an end of our time with you, and I'm going to skip the last question, and in place of that, I want to ask you, is there anything I didn't ask you, 
that you would like to share to add to your story? I don't think so, other than what I'm, the point that I'm trying to get across is to never give up hope, no matter what. No matter what happens, find that thread, hang on to it. Don't let anything deter, deter you from uh, doing what you set out to do, even if it's just a baby step, because everything starts with a baby step. And no matter how much you're hurting, you can find that if you look for it and hold on to it. Mm. Beautiful message. And for anyone that's still listening right now, I'm sure they want to know what you're up to. So can you share with us what are you working on right now and where is the best place people can connect with you? If you put my name in or the name of my show, any place on Google, you'll find me. I'm very easy to find. So it's either Battered Hope or Never Ever Give Up Hope or Carol Graham. And whether it's my show or my book, or uh, articles, my blog, etc. They're all they all will pop up on Google very easily. Excellent. And what are you working on right now? This is where you get to brag or you get to share. I'm writing my second book, and I'm really excited about it. Ooh, do you want to give us just a little sneak peek about what's going to be in there? What it? I'm. I believe in miracles. I'm. A, I. I am a miracle. My kids are a miracle. My whole life is a miracle. My my being able to get pregnant is a miracle. And so the book is going to be on miracles. True life stories, all mine. Oh, well, Carol. We had so many miracles in my life that I thought, you know, there are a lot of books that you read. I've been in a lot of anthologies, and I've written, like, one little story, you know, um, in, in the anthology. And I thought, I'm going to write an anthology, but it's going to be all personal stories and weave it together uh, because it will encourage people no matter where they're coming from. That if she, you know, the thing is, God is not a respecter of persons. And just, you know, everybody can have the same thing. We can all receive the same blessings. It has to do with what we choose to believe. I choose to believe it's going to be a good ending. Mm-hmm rather than a negative one. 